Welcome to Inside Moto episode three. Uh, we've got a cracking show lined up with uh, one of uh, one of my favorite people in the motocross pits. Um, we go back a long way. We spent a long time together. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Um, so brace yourselves, get that coffee. If you're in the car, you know, you might need to go for a dry free for this one. It's going to be a, an epic one. Uh, this show is brought to you by Even Strikes. Even Strikes is a UK based online motocross shop that offers motocross parts and gear driven by making motocross more affordable. What these guys are trying to do is put more money back in your pocket by giving you the best deals and uh, the best products out there for the best prices. And one thing what we're going to do at MX Vice is we've linked up and uh, you can get 10% off everything on Even Strokes by using the code MXVICE at the checkout. So that's 10% on anything site-wide. So, uh, you know, that's your layouts, your bells, your uh, crikey, your procs, Kai. Oh my God, just check the site out, uh, evenstrokes.com. Lots of brands on there. Um and uh, 10% off uh, via MX Vice. So here we are. So when I say one of my favorite people, I, I've first got to know this guy back um, when I uh, ended up in Sweden um, in, in a big company and was uh, drowning around me. And there were some really good people around me. And this guy was one of them. So uh, Patrick Erlinson, welcome to uh, Inside Mo. It's great to have you here. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be here and talking to you. And uh, it's uh, joyful to to finally get to, to talk to you on 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 uh, and, and sharing a little bit of our our common um, adventure we had, and also yeah, not say my story, but what what I what I'm been doing and not doing, or yeah, whatever <laughs> we tell it. But uh, good to see you, buddy. So. Absolutely. So for those who uh, you've probably heard of Patrick Erlinson, he was on uh, MXGP TV uh, last week in Majora. Um, Patrick is, uh, uh, you know, has worked for many companies. I've known him from uh, working with Honda, um, working with uh, the Pierce Group, um, 24MAX, um, and also heavily involved in, um, you know, as a team manager and and running JDBR team along with uh, the team owner, Johan. So, um, and more recently, um, where this name will pop up is because he is one of the main guys at MIPS, which is obviously the the lead in protection system within pretty much every helmet. So, um, you know, they're literally making leaps and strides towards, you know, reducing concussion within helmets. I mean, uh, it is phenomenal the um, how great uh, the protection is now for helmets in in the you know how they've tackled the seriousness of concussion. So we'll talk a little bit about MIPS a little bit later in the uh, in the show with Patrick. But Patrick, um, I'm intrigued because I only got to know you say 2018. So we're probably our relationship sort of five five years old. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew of you before, but we yeah. it was just one of those weird things that um, it yeah. took me to literally land in Sweden for us to yeah. connect in, in 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 chat in in hangout. So what were you doing previous to uh, 2018? Kind of talk me through how you got into yeah. the industry. For sure, for sure. I mean, we've been walking in the same paddock for years and like nodding when we was passing <laughs> each other. Like, yeah, that's that guy. And then, then finally we ended up working in the same building. Uh, so that was uh, really nice. And I, so to get to know you on a personal level and then, like you said, we, we, we hit up pretty, pretty good right away. And uh, now we're finally doing some different things together here and there. But I mean, my, my story is, is 
I wouldn't say unique. It's 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 a long one, and I wasn't afraid to jump in with my feet first. Uh, I'm probably the biggest motocross nerd that you can you can probably find even more nerds, but I'm one of them for sure. I mean, it started when I was like four or five i was crying for a summer i didn't get the bike i was five years old got my first bike rode around the house uh, i mean the neighbors probably hated me when i was like six seven i went with my dad around europe he was an enduro rider so i was i think it was a nine ten i was crying if he didn't take me so he took me basically around europe for six seven weeks alone and uh, yeah he's in the back of the car basically uh, so i followed him for years and years just being there and uh, i mean I, I thought i was a mechanic but i was probably playing with something uh, but i always went with him and and get this uh, itch for being in a paddock and then really enjoying the motorcycle life and i think even he won six days in 79 in in, in austria so he's been been a really good high level riders and then he basically stepped that down and, and focus on the family and and of course me starting to ride a little bit and uh, we we was we was riding and um, i mean i was playing ice hockey and handball swedish game uh, and riding motocross at the same time and when i was like 16 17 he was like hey you need to choose you can't play it all or riding and and i was a decent mo- uh, ice hockey player and I even went to canada and tried for like uh, a hockey school there and like had an idea nah this is not fun i'm not gonna make any money on in in ice hockey in in, in canada let's go back and be a motocross rider so Went back, starting to ride, ride, ride. Uh, went to semi-good level in Sweden. Um, did that for a couple of years. Uh, thought this is pretty boring just to be in Sweden. Why don't we find a manager to to go to Europe and try to race uh, European races? Uh, still not GP level EMX. Like just trying. So I find that like a, um, a, a competition calendar around Europe. So I was basically just sending in my envelopes. Can I come and ride? Can you pay me 400 euros for show up money? So I, I made even before I becoming good, I was riding 25, 30 races in around Europe and as a nobody, but they paid me. So I wasn't afraid to just send it in and like, hey, I'm I'm a decent good rider. I, I will make a show. If you need a guy going back on a tractor in the city center and promote it, I will be there. So so I, I signed up for crazy things, <laughs> kissing, oh, kissing kids and, and, and fixing whatever you wanted just because I wanted to be a showman. I didn't want to live a regular life. So did that for a couple of years, uh, went home, did Swedish championship, uh, went to like yeah top 10 a couple of times. And then I started some EMX 250 and tried to ride a little bit of 500 GPs. And I said, you always need a lapper. So I was the lapper. So I didn't succeed. I had good fun. And I basically, I approached every guy like, hey, Joel Smets, I'm Patrick. What are you ra- riding and training tomorrow? Can I come? And he's like, no. Okay, well, just tell me where you're going. And then the next day I showed up. <laughs> hey, Joel. I'm here. How are you doing? I'm Patrick. Yeah. And like, in the end, like, come to my place. We need to fix your bike, whatever. So, so I would say Smet is a good friend today just because I, I was the pain in the ass guy inside in another truck, but always with a smile and positive attitude and they, Hey, how can I help you? Can I ever? So that was pretty 
interesting to learn learn the early years for me and and get to know a lot of people and i mean hey shane king who's you um uh, can i train with you tomorrow like yes eating people up but still not maybe annoying guy with a smile hey i'm here and and so i think i invited myself to everybody back then uh so that was a good and then I asked, okay, let's let's try this. And but I then we then I went home to do this race in Sweden and I broke my leg so bad. So I, I was almost out for a year. Um and then I let's try to come back. And basically the second race crashed big time, first jump, everybody landed on me, broke my back, bleeding wow. in, in my brain and everything. I was just ribs, uh kidney, everything was I was bad. So basically, Shit. how old were you at this time, Patrick? I was 22, 23. So 23. So, uh, so I was laying in the hospital, like, I'm not going to be a world champion. I need to find a work. And like, like everybody, I probably realized that if years before my buddies realized when they were like 29 and had nothing. So I was knocked out in a hospital, like, oh, this is not going to work. I need to educate myself so right away living living laying there in the hospital bed i signed up for um for for education of of computers because uh, this is uh i mean this is probably 90 this is 96 97 and then i mean computers yes it was computer but it's not what it is now so okay i need to be a sales guy by computer because that's the future yeah so i i starting to study Becoming a sales guy for computer with a blue suit. Ah, oh, very nice. Sold everything, even threw away every motocross action I had. I didn't touch a bike. Didn't want to have anything with a bike. Like, no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but, Damn, uh, that was a that's a huge transition. Like, literally, to go from 22 in a hospital. Yeah. Um. Kind of like like you said, you've been knocking on doors and talking to everybody, and you know, happy go lucky Patrick, mm. and uh, yeah, and then yeah. like having that realization at twenty two of fuck, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna no. be able to do this dream. No, no, no. So and, and still laying there, like I, I met my wife when I was older, eighteen. She's a fantastic woman, Victoria, and and when I was laying in the hospital, she she basically whispered in my eyes, "Hey, I'm I uh, we're gonna have a kid." So. Your career is not just ended. You're going to be a dad. <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> so for sure, I need to start selling computers and earning some <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> so that that I starting to study, and I was like, hey, I'm I'm, I'm but I'm, I I need to take a year to study, and at the same time, I want to earn money. So what what can we do? So I I went to actually being at nighttime and evenings like a personal assistant for a mental mental disabled boy. So I was okay. actually working healthcare, taking care of a teenager that got really lost. Yeah. So I was working and studying, working and studying, and just taking. But I also learned a lot from that, like. I mean, we're in a lucky position that we are healthy and people having a mental disability is is kind of hard. And if I can make a difference with them, I can make a difference in everything. So my positive outlook went even stronger. Yes, I I survived my own crashes and and injuries, but that was, it sounds like that, but life threatening and it wasn't, but I was really messed up. But Sure. Uh, after everything that uh, went to the education and then working for 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 this uh, this boys and then I started to business school. I also like hey, I started selling. I sold. 
I was a good sales guy for computers. Didn't know shit, but I, I was a good talker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so went straight up and the company said, hey, you, you, you're pretty good. We should invest in you. We, we pay for this education. So I went to business management, business economy, and it's all basically sponsored by this huge PC company. So, um, so that's, that was good. And, and ah, now I kind of heading even when I was 15, I started to work at Honda Sweden at the warehouses. So I was doing Honda work, but I was not r- racing. I was working at Honda Sweden already back then. Okay. So, so when I was then, I was like, basically, I had a salary already, but I didn't work so much. And then I worked, ride, work, ride. So, but then after my injury, I didn't, I didn't want to see any bike, so I quit Honda and wanted to be a this PC guy. <laughs> wow. So, uh, and I ended up selling a computer to the CEO of Honda Sweden of the couple of years. I was like, hey, you want to come back? I need a sales guy. Like, no, I don't like motorcycles. <laughs> they hurt <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, they hurt me. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, yeah, come in by lunch tomorrow and basically come in by lunch and one o'clock I sign a new contract. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> that's insane. So like literally what I mean... <laughs> That, that's crazy. You kind of like sold their computer to, to Honda. I mean, what are the chances of that? And then like literally the next day, kind of like, I'm, I'm going to do this. So, so basically you went in as like uh, one of the sales guys at Honda. What, 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 was, what was that sort of, what did that job entail? I mean, my first job, I went back to there um, to being just a sales rep, going out and knocking on the Honda doors and selling everything we had um, and to, to a couple of the local dealers. And then straight away, I, I kind of made this. I was, I was doing pretty good. I understand them. A lot of people who I know worked at dealerships and even some dealerships was bought up by old racers like Frederick Van and those guys, like the old Husky guys. And suddenly you, you have your best buddies as you as the customer and like hey we can make this good but we need to make it together so we i created a in my way a really nice bond with the dealerships and i was always you could always call me whatever time sunday saturday i was always on the phone to make it an effort yeah. and i think that's the way we build it up uh honda sweden uh, so I, I went through the ranks being a sales rep to being an off-road manager, then I being a, 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 and like what you call it in Sweden, we call it CAM, key account manager. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I suddenly I'm I'm head of sales at Honda Sweden. Like, oh, this this was this was a good couple of years. Wasn't that yeah. easy? Wasn't that hard? So is this around <laughs> about sort of 25, 26? Uh, this is uh, basically started back at Honda. I would say 2003. So I, I, I was selling computers from 97 to 2003. Okay. So I did, almost did five years uh, with computer sales. And, uh, yeah. But you that, must have learned a lot of that period of, of the computer sales, of selling wow. and talking to people. And that kind of must have created this perfect opportunity of working for a brand that you know and love and then having the sales ability to be able to do that as well. Absolutely. And, and during that, that computer company, they was also owning Nintendo Sweden. So somehow the Nintendo sales manager was sick. So they called me over. So I run Nintendo Sweden for a year as a sales manager. So I also 
suddenly I was selling Nintendo game and, and, and PCs and, and I was I was all over the place and I had so much fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I still do this. And this was the booming PC days. And now we talk a lot of PC, but I mean, everybody needed a PC and you were on, on, on um, uh, I mean, your salary was based on bonus. So, so the, I, I, I think I still not earned that much, kind of money today that, that we did back then. So, yeah. Well, I think uh, 2003, you were selling PCs while I was building them. <laughs> so uh that, that the irony there i mean uh, all of the two different there. countries but yeah we're connected <laughs> in the same sort of uh sphere i was a i was a network guy so i used to build all the pcs for a law firm and that was the name network technical pc that was the name of the company in sweden here in kungsbacker where i'm living so ah cool so that, was, that was really nice and but i i, I did get itch back as soon as i went to selling to the old ceo like hey hmm and I have started to ride a little bit for fun again. Yeah. As soon as I went back, they're like, hey, let's let's do some motocross and lo- do some enduro. Yes, having fun. Yeah, yeah. So I never really tried to come back. I, I, I think I did like one race after my injury, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to come back. But as soon as somebody like kind of passed me, like, no, I, I don't need to pass him back. <laughs> so that was, yeah. okay, I, I don't have it. So I don't need to do this anymore. But no. I still, I still like still to this day compete and i i i like to win yes but i don't hate to lose no. so that also when i realized that i became a, a, a better person yeah yeah you, uh, and and i i guess deep down you just enjoy riding yeah so so we did the, like i did i started my own enduro team i, I had a swedish Swedish honda sweden did have a motocross team and we had jürgen nielsen as a team manager so we suddenly okay we need we need to on the Swedish uh, market and how do we do it? We started, uh, I mean, we, we started with the Honda, basically Honda jacket, t-shirts, caps. We created the Honda line with, with everything in that early stage of when nobody else was doing it, even be, almost before KTM kind of understand we should do this. Yeah. So, so we was basically like 50% of the Swedish market was just Honda Honda because that was just, you, you, it was cool to be on a Honda in Sweden because you get everything. I even had a contingency program. You had price money for, for racing. So. Wow. Is- that's even back then, that's kind of quite you know, mm. like forward thinking. Well, at yeah. what point, what sort of, before the Honda became established, what bikes were people riding beforehand in majority in, in, in Sweden? Oh, of course, Husqvarna has been super strong in Sweden, of course, but everything died after they went to Kajiva of the Husqvarna. So I think I would say Yamaha was always strong because Peter Hansen and the yeah. KTM with Peter Hansen. There's a lot of Peters there, but the, <laughs> the, the strong, you have strong connection. And back then, I think even like, Torsten Halman was the Yamaha importer. Håkan Eriksson from Scott Sweden was running the show. Everybody knows him. And Suzuki was also on demand for a while when uh, the when the importer of uh, had even two, the, the great tool of Hansen was uh, the Suzuki importer together with some friends for a while. And they dominated a couple of years. But uh, I think that then we, we started a kind of organization uh, plan for Honda and uh, we had everything, and I even started something called Honda Nordic Challenge when the first 150 bike came. So I had five riders from each Scandinavian country meeting in one super final. So I basically, Denmark, Sweden, and Finland, send you top five guys, we do a super final, Honda Nordic Champions, and 
the price is a brand new bike and the sponsorship deal for the year after. So we did that two, three years in, in Sweden or Scandinavia. Then I approached Honda Europe. Hey, I, I have an idea. Let's start the 150 European Championship. Really? So, so that, yeah. that that 150 Championship, which has brought Ferrato, Adamo, yeah. uh, Emma Weckman, yeah. that all started originally in Sweden. In Sweden, and 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 I didn't know Roger Harvey back then, and I was the same approach with the old Smets. I had I find his phone number. I heard he was the boss. Start calling him. Hey, I have an idea. Who are you? Basically said. Uh, how did so, you get my number? Yeah, how did you get my number? So, uh, and and I so I started. I I called Lorenzo Resta. I called uh, Paolo Martin. I called everybody, and, and Roger Harvey like, hey, you need to talk to my boss. And I think it was Robert with a spoon something. Oh, so I don't remember the name, but so I have an idea. I have done this in Sweden and it works. And the sales goes up like, like crazy because everybody wanted to be on the 150 because you could win. You could do something. You could be part of a family. So I created a Honda, like a CRF family. So the, yeah. the Red Brigade, I have even before the Orange Brigade back then. So yeah, yeah. Approach, approach Harvey and the guys. Hey, I have this idea. Let's do it. And they're like, ah, maybe it sounds like a good idea. And then suddenly, two, three months later, they called me like, we're going to start a 150 European Championship uh, like this. What do you think about it? And and even, now oh, I'm jumping ahead again. I had two years working with Jennifer Dick, yeah. who then went to KTM. She was in Sweden a lot with me during this time to help me with this Honda Nautic Challenge. Ah, so okay. we started the same time we started Extreme Academy, me and Jenny. Yeah. First year, we have John van der Berg as a trainer. Second year, we have Brian Jurgensen. Yeah. And Brian stayed for many years. So I, I, I do feel that I was really kind of, I, I'm not the sole reason for 150 European Championship, but I would say the idea came from Sweden and I still get some cred sometimes here and there from, from the Harvin that Patrick actually started this shit. <laughs> so That's he's cool. That's uh, cool. So you get some, so you get a little bit of kudos from, from, from sort of pitching the idea in the first place. Yeah. And and then we, after we, then we, we, then we, David Dusselaire came on board and, and he was running the show a little bit from, for a while there. And, and then of course, Gordon came aboard in the, in the later stage, but more as a trainer for the camp. He wasn't. So I, I can't remember this because when the EMX 150, I think that's when I kind of, we would say hello in the pits, but I didn't kind of know you. No, so, no. because th- is that how you and Davey become good friends? It then kind of me, me and David. He went. He was an accessory training guy for for like. Uh, he went to Sweden to educate us about top boxes for street bikes, and suddenly somewhere he mentioned that he rode motocross and like, hey, stop! You're a suddenly, motocross. Let's go to bros. my place. We're bros, <laughs> and, and uh, so we was starting to talk. We sh- we should do more. We should find like if we edu- And I was already thinking, how can we proceed with doing more and more Honda stuff? We need to find an education program. If you know the bike, you're going to sell the bike good. So we we kind of took, when the new Honda came for like 2013, for example, or, or then we bought the 2014 bikes, then we rented in Yamaha's Honda Suzuki, and we rode them all. And, and we teach all the sales managers from each country. We took them to Udvala the day after at the Jeep Tech, ride a Suzuki, ride a Honda. What's good? What's bad? And then at night at, at the hotel, Kali and we said, "This is what you were thinking about this bike. If the customers say this, you need to say this. So if you own the customer and know what you're talking about, you will sell more bikes." 
So me and Davey kind of after that talking about top boxes for street bikes, we became buddies. And, and today he's one of my best friends and he's a fantastic person. And we, we talk almost every day still. Um, but top boxes brought top us box. together. Top <laughs> box brought you together. That's cool. Yeah. And Davey's just picked up a new position. Is it in Belgium with Motul? Yeah, yeah, he's Motul. So he was AFAM for a while after he left Honda. So yeah. um, during the pandemic, they they they, uh, they cut half the staff at AFAM and he was the one of the last one in. Uh, so f- yeah, that's what's happened. And yeah, that's so a he's, such a, he's just a smart guy. So the loss is from them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it. AFAM, the, um, the, the, the black chain and black sprocket. Yeah, and and the, when I can remember going to to ICMA one year, and the stand just looked really cool with the products, yeah. and they'd worked so hard on that whole concept. But Jesus, it was so good. So um, yeah, I, I love these little things how they all link together, <laughs> yeah. and that's why no, that, that's you know people true. are going to be wondering yeah. who the hell's Davy yeah. Dusselair. It is Davy yeah. Dusselair, isn't it? Dusselair. Yeah, 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 Dusselair, yeah. yeah. So. so so Davy, um, so he's uh, your next guest. <laughs> yeah, we need to get. Yeah, we need to make a theme of this. So yeah. so the, the one fifty program you know we've talked about a little bit about it on um on podcast previously because i think looking now looking back on it it was a very successful program it was amazing because we i kind of started to get people not being so like first time you go to gp you're scared if we get them to a gp experience before they're actually hitting it big time they will be not nervous mature what what will happen what will know so in so many ways we will prepare them for being a star and the program was all about but also hey if you don't money have money that's fine you're going to be equal bikes the best guy will win it so that was also a key thing that it needs to be fair um so that was kind of a uh, project the, the other thing which people don't know is is the deal was phenomenal like literally the bike was there they gave you kit you just literally was was there a was there a payment that had to be made patrick i can't remember but oh no no it was all free deal basically and and the, if you wanted you 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 did win a like a emx 250 factory deal yeah because that's how after. weckman in in yeah in in uh, i don't know if he he took the 250 deal but there was a quite a few riders which which got the 250 deal and went on yeah, to, to do it and done well and uh, that also we back then uh, there was the Honda GTEC team, but that was even before that was actually Yamaha GTEC team. Yeah. But me and Harvey made them switch. So the first year the Honda bikes from GTEC came from Honda Sweden actually, because wow. we need to come have a good team. I think this team is good, and I also wanted the Swedish guy Kalle Olsson on a on a Honda team because I was almost losing this young superstar from Sweden to, uh, I think it was KTM, uh, the ASHF team wanted him, said, brother, this can happen. We need to find a team for him. And that, yeah, this team is good, but they don't have bikes. I fixed bikes from one of Sweden. So, and then they became the EMX 250 team when they picked up the Honda support. So I was very involved in that team also with Iller Aldini and and Gabriel, uh, Gabriel uh, uh, Rinaldi. So okay. yeah, I think it's Mikael Rinaldi's cousin, I think it's actually. So, wow. So that was like we put Swedish rider with Thomas Olsson there. We got Stefan Olsson. We got Brillakov there, Tonkov. Uh, so I was very much involved in that team 
already back then. So, yeah. and then Davey came as the, the software manager and took it over. So that was really nice. Uh, and I could go back and being on a Sweden again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what, what time um, did you stop working with Honda Sweden? I, I worked there a lot of years and, and during the last years, I, during the 150, I, st- I still continue to talk a little bit on, on 150 because I, we had a supercross promoter in Gothenburg that wanted to do supercross in Gothenburg. I said, yeah, for sure. But I want the third part of that company because I, if I going to provide 20 Honda bikes, I need to be in, 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 in the promoting business. So, so suddenly, even if I was work for Honda, I was suddenly in the promoting business of promoting super supercross. And, and by doing that, we hired like example, Andrew short, but the day after the, the supercross, I had a Honda training camp in Udvala. And the short was a trainer. So I, I, I booked the riders. The story, your flight is on Monday back home. And when you're here, why not to earn some extra money being a trainer? So so we did that and we had everybody. I mean, we got under short. We got Danny Blair. We, we had Alex Martin. Uh, so many uh, Cole Siebler. We, we had... Uh, I mean, even we had a supercross with Jeremy McGrath here and he was uh, riding the day after on the local track. And, and that's incredible. And, and a small, I have a pretty cool YouTube clip in Elving in this call. The trainer staff is Shomisha Bale, Pauline, Tim Geiser, the trainers and Bobrisev and this Kalle Olson kid. I have a picture. It's a pretty strong trainer lineup on a local Swedish track. I mean, the dad was almost crying. Look at the trainers. It's Sean Michel Bale. So I, I, I pushed a lot. And, and, and this is kind of the re- relationship I had with uh, Harvey and Lorenz Resta when he was team. I, I, was, I, was, I was working uh, every hangar to get people and uh, uh, like hijacking, uh, I mean, um, Events, um, anything to kind yeah. of give that back to. So, so regarding like the, the Swedish motocross, they benefited a lot from the stuff that you've done. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we went basically from selling maybe 200 Honda bikes in Sweden and suddenly we were over 1,000 Honda bikes in, in just a couple of years because everybody wanted to be on a Honda. Everybody wanted to be on the camp. And if you signed up for a camp, you got free camp. You're buying a bike, you got a free camp with... For example, Shomisha Bale's trainer, and I had this, and and of course every Friday before Udvala GP, I had a camp on the track on the way to Udvala. So everybody was there. Yeah. So it's also, I think even the the like guys that said the other day, hey, remember I went to your track? We had a training camp. Like even he remembered it, and uh, I think it was one time I had Bobrasev for a whole weekend, and he, and he told me, I don't know shit, Patrick. I don't know how to tell anyone to ride. Because I just ride, I don't understand why I'm fast. And said, "Hey, if you think about why you ride, maybe you're becoming a better rider." So I kind of coached him a little bit in yes, and and he won Udvala GP that weekend after spending two days at the camp. I would say we made him think what he was should doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to teach. I'm just fast. I love that. Yeah. No. And, and of course, it's not my. It's not nothing to do with it. But it was just just a, uh, something he did that weekend. But Still to this day, we're good friends. And I, I'm, he's a guy that I sometimes pick up the phone and call him. Hey, Bobby, what's up? And so building a lot of relationship, but never, I, I've never been afraid to approach people. And I said, the, only, the worst thing you can have is a no. 
Yeah, exactly. And, but you're not going to know that unless you ask. No, no, no. I mean, I even start talking to an old lady outside here my, by my house today. Yes, never seen her, but it was a good five minutes talk. And the worst thing I could, she could walk away, but she did not. And that's my been been my approach. Them, if it, ask them if they say no, yeah, I respect that. You can always say, but most of the people, if you approach them right, you learn from them, and and. My life philosophy is like, don't expect anything back. Just show gratitude that that to them. And, and if there's something they're doing good, appreciate the work they have done and comment that, hey, you're doing really good. I'm 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 impressed what you're doing. So and and I think that's that's come a long way. Uh, as me as a person but the honda stuff was cool because i did so much stuff i mean even i didn't even took down the supercross track in ulvi I, I kept the track for one day and had the supercross academy in the stadium and and the kid on a honda 150 250 hey what are you doing tomorrow i ride is riding supercross and i have i had no short as a mechanic not mechanic as a trainer inside the stadium like the, the other brands in sweden look like fools so <laughs> yeah that's uh that's super. I mean, for, for a kid in Sweden, mm. you know, I mean, uh, I just think about it for, for kids anywhere, no matter what country, that opportunity is is unreal because if, you, if you're going to ride these tracks, you need to be able to ride those tracks. But yeah. what better than a, a person who's just going to a night before and one? So, so I, I like kind of, and, and, and Harvey is probably thinking, who the hell is this guy? Stop calling me. But I, I, I call Lorenzo Resta so many times. I know that you have hurt riders. You have no riders. I have a good Swedish rider. If you send your factory bike to Sweden, he will hold shot. So Lorenzo Resta and the team went to Sweden without rider. I put the Swedish rider on it. I said, hey, you need to hold shot this race. <laughs> and I think he was a second or third. Then he's faded like shit. But that's kind of, and, and even back then, Lorenzo like, who are you? <laughs> and, and and today we we are really good friends. Uh, yeah. It's because I, I I was always polite, but I approached them all and, and being having crazy ideas all the time. And and in the end, this is for selling more bikes. Was yeah. all my mission was we're gonna sell more bikes if we do this. So that's like the the main goal was selling more bikes. <laughs> and it, and it worked. I mean, what yeah. at that point with the supercross <laughs> in, in, in you know like. You know, it's like the riders coming mm. over after the GPs. Mm. Um, when you started 200 bikes, what, where, where, how many sort of sales for Honda w- w- were you doing in, in Sweden at that time? Um, excuse me, I, I didn't understand the question really. So. Oh, so um, uh, obviously you said you took it from 200 yeah. to 1,000 yeah. in the first yeah. couple of years. But once you've yeah. done the Supercross and the 150 championship, what were the sort of sales for, for we, Honda we, then? We did break the... Almost fifteen hundred sales in the end of my Honda career, and that that was two thousand seven. So that was kind of the highlight, and I, and I think I even calculated how many bikes a specific dealer sold the last ten years. So, example, Fredrik Werner, he was the biggest Honda dealer for ten years. You know, he never sold under one hundred thirty Honda bikes a year. So after ten years, one hundred thirty bikes means that he has sold X amount of bikes. So I sent him a cake with with the. You congratulate you now have sold 10,000 bikes, for example. So yeah. when he opened up, like, oh, what's this? This is a cake from Honda Sweden. Congrats. You did this and this and this. So I always promoted the dealers. They were the warriors. If they succeeded, we succeeded. Yeah. So the message was, if we need to have the dealers talk our language, being proud of selling Honda. They need to know what the bike is and, and, and everything around that. And then, then also, we had this supercross going on and, and there was just... 
we was killing it with 50% of the bike was Hondas and we had so much fun with that. And so we did three supercrosses in, in Gothenburg and then we moved it to Tele2 Arena some years later in, in, in Stockholm. But then it went just all show. And and I mean, even the first year we had Jason Anderson winning it. So that was pretty cool to have him. I think him. I remember that. What sort of year was that? Was that like 2000 and... 16, 15. Yep, that was 16. And, and that was the relaunch of Husqvarna. So so actually Lars Lindstrom's dad, Gunnar, went to Husqvarna, did the full shoot in the city of Husqvarna with Jason Anderson. And then he went to win the Supercross in Stockholm on, on the brand new relaunch bike. So that was... Cool. Uh, so we did two in Stockholm. Then I went to Super Enduro, did one round of Super Enduro World Championship. Uh, and then I start realizing this is a lot of hard work. We should do this full time or we should focus on work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm guessing, uh, what, so what year are we in now? So 2015, 2000? Yeah. Yeah. 2015. I'm, I'm happy. I'm Honda guy. I got a call from, from Denmark and said, Hey, you want to be Fox brand manager Nordic? <laughs> I'm Fox is a strong name. I even have a Fox t-shirt on me today. So yeah, why not? That sounds good. I've been 17 years basically back and forth with Honda. Let's try something new. Uh, went to Denmark, signed up for, for working with Fox Nordic. Um, just three months in, there was a finance problem. So they shut down the company and, and this company lost Fox. So suddenly it was just a, a Danish company, a hard parts company. And I was the last guy employed. So I was supposed to be the first guy out. But I think somehow the, the bank who kind of was taking over the company, like, hey, can you run this company instead? So reorganize, take down the death and, and try to sell it in two years or three years. I think it was three years. So, like, oh, so I basically moved to Denmark three years and worked for a, for a completely different company that I never, ever uh, done. But I mean, you live and learn and then uh, did I mean, that for a couple of years. Jesus. I mean, let's talk about that because mm. you've gone from Honda sales guy to then to do Fox brand. Yeah, and then the, you're basically becoming a CEO. Yeah, exactly. And then, I, then basically, I call the bank. Hey, I'm not such a my skills being CEO is not so good. I need an interim uh, CEO from the bank that can teach me how it actually works. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. put the guy Søren Koch behind beside me, and and he learned. I, I learned so much from him, an amazing guy. Today he runs a 1216, a bicycling company in Denmark, the cycling gears that's doing doing great. And he, I think he's in a board like in Boost and uh, he, he's a bank guy and, and I learned a lot from him. Hey, those uh, finance guys, they're the key thing, aren't they? To like, every company. Yeah, so so we did it. I did that, it was a good fun project, worked hard. Uh, we sold the company to another Danish company and I worked three days for him and said, I had enough of Danish people. <laughs> I love Denmark <laughs> uh, and, and I have so many good friends and I would never trade that time for my life, but I had enough. I want to back home in Sweden. I, I, that was a long way from uh, home. Three, three years away there. I mean, I only done 18 months and that was, you know, 16 to 20 weeks altogether. Yeah. But that was, that was yeah. long. And I can't imagine what th yeah. you know, three years was like. Yeah. And, and basically kind of, we backtracked a bit. 
I had a Honda Sweden team for many years and Johan Westermark was my main sponsor for, for Honda Sweden because he was a motocross nerdy looks. So he wanted to be in the paddock. So that's how I get to know Johan. He just broke me. I want to sponsor your team. Holy shit. So, I so love what, this. So what year is that you started? So he started you, sponsoring huh? me 2009, 10 already. So, wow. so from 9 to 9 to 2014, he was my main sponsor. <laughs> and and that's uh, then I left uh, to work for Fox and the PC Porch. Uh, of course, Honda shut down the team, and Johan lost uh, everything. Uh, I mean, he, he uh, well, well, without me, it wasn't the team. So, one two years in, he started his own team, just for for having fun, and and it grow fast. Um, so I think that was a little bit, and and um, then I became switched from this Danish company to to a called EMX Racing in Stockholm, uh, being a marketing manager, marketing director for being the fancy title I had there. Uh, so I worked very, as a manager. Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> ma- managing director for EMX Racing, uh, importer of, of uh, brands, Recluse, yeah. 6D, Prox, uh, Tsubaki. I mean, a great product, fantastic Enduro, uh, Enduro and Motocross. Um but the company wasn't so big and I had intention of, I want to be part of something bigger. And uh, somehow I, I have get to know Daniel Pedersen uh, from 24MX a couple yeah. years ago. We just probably approached him, talking to him also, <laughs> yeah. as I always did and do. Uh, so I don't know how he asked me for an, uh, somehow kind of an advice in something. And I said, hey, Daniel, now when we're talking, uh, when should I start working for you? Well, yesterday, he said. <laughs> so like, okay, what's <laughs> yeah. happening? So he, day after somebody from Pierce Group called me. Um, pretty funny. It's actually Ruben Fernandez, but not the writer. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can remember uh, yeah. Ruben, yeah. So basically, and I said, oh, nah. So I turned him down. And basically, two days later, I regret myself calling back. Hey, Ruben, uh, I, uh, I, I changed my mind. I want to come. He's like, oh, damn, I gave that position to another guy. Like, so shut down. Uh, he called me back one day later. Hey, I made some big changes here. I, I, I squeezed you in. No worries. You come. <laughs> and uh, I, I was going to pair you up with some guy called Anton Vass. You may know him. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I, I can work with Anton. No problem. So... <laughs> And uh, I mean, Anton is a genius uh, in 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 everything he does, and and, and look what they've done today. It's kind of amazing. Well, so. the, yeah, we should, should we should mention this. So Daniel Peterson um, was one of two founders, um, yeah. and and Anton came in as a third member, I think. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and they started Pierce, uh, well, twenty four Max mm. in was it two thousand and ten? Yeah, two thousand ten. So yeah, two thousand and ten. Um, yeah. And I mean, we can all see what an incredible, um, you know, growth in a company they built with, you know, turning in excess of uh, nice. 160 million a year. Um, insane. When, when, and I think what, what um, you have to give credit where credit's due, the fact that pretty much up till that point, no Scandinavian um, kind of parts or distribution company were able to kind of reach that into Europe in, in, yep. in to get as far as they could in, yeah. in, you know, they've, they've kind of got their part in history, haven't they, with what they've done with 24 yeah. Max? I mean, yeah, they, they, they were, they did an amazing job and worked hard and they, and they put kind of the E 
com on the map, I would say, for Europe. Absolutely, yeah. So so that that was uh, kind of and that's where we actually met the, met each other for kind of the real real meeting we had like starting yeah. to talk and actually having hamburgers yeah, I, late at I night. I know so. you. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we passed each other for years but what are you doing here? I I work here. <laughs> in, so. in 18 it was a it was yeah. a fun time there, hey. The, yeah. It was uh, you know everything was happening so fast mm. i can remember you know the conversations like we say the beers and the hamburgers that we used to have in, in the evening and mm. um yeah it, you know it was it was a crazy crazy time the industry was obviously booming yeah um and then mm. you kind of stayed there for 18 two years yeah, 18 to 19 and and then i i, I have no intention to leave but uh, somehow uh, like a headhunting company called me up and said, hey, there's a job opportunity. There's a company in Sweden with motorcycles. So you just, I, I don't, I mean, who, what company in Sweden have motorcycle business that I don't know of? And then they said, yeah, MIPS. Like, well, well, I know MIPS for sure. And like, yeah, why not? So, and, and as soon as I met those guys, I was like, it sounds like cliche, but I, today I'm working with saving lives and doing better helmets. So I kind of often refer to me like, hey, this is actually something that I would make a difference of working. I can help riders having a longer riding career and saving their um, down the line when they're older. I'm going to help riders having a better elder dome yeah. because I will develop safer helmets for brand. And actually, it's really touched my heart because I can change a little bit of the industry and, and helping riders. And so as soon as I, I, I kind of said, actually I said no first, first time because, and then they pushed me back and that was good. That means that you, they want you more and you can, you can ask for more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but in the end, the, the thing that touched me that, okay, I will make a difference here. I'm not just selling. Yes, everybody wants to earn money, but I selling something that will make your life better if you crash. And if you if I do that, it means that more riders can ride and, and crash harder, of course, but still be better. So I think I find my niche here a little bit like I'm I'm in my right element. I, I helping riders. I love people. I like to talk to people, but also I make a difference. And it sounds cliche, but it's actually a really nice reason to go to work every day. When I go to work, I do something that changed someone else's life to the better or saving a guy who's crashing. And and people don't think it that way. Yeah. But I make a difference <laughs> in, in, in protecting riders. So. And, and, and that you know, that's it's not very it's not very often that you, you can get a position where you are getting paid money and you are making a difference. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Fantastic. So so the, today I'm the senior business developer at, at MIPS. Uh, MIPS is a safety system that we we put into the helmet. It's a safety system that uh, for added safety, uh, if you may have an accident and, and we works uh, the MIPS work on certain impacts. And we are aimed to reduce uh, the rotational motion. Uh, so when you have an impact to your head, you want to redirect your hit to your head away from the head. And our uh, low friction layer will move a little bit. So you actually you bounce off instead of having this hard hit to your head. And, and if you don't have a hard hit, you 
you can have a strain instead of a bleeding. And a bleeding is super dangerous because that part of the brain that's bleeding is dying and you, you're losing so much like um, yeah, concentration, motion, you get, can have dementia, Alzheimer's down the road. Uh, if you're using a MIP system, MIP system uh, you redirect the hit and you hopefully only have a strain instead of a bleeding. And, and that's the big difference. A strain you will recover from, but a bleeding you will not recover from. So, Because uh, it's, it's incredible really when you think about, because concussion and the whole safety was always not a, it was never really talked about. It was kind of, yeah, that was a big one. Um, and uh, I can't see straight, but let's go again. Um, you know, that was the motocross mentality. In, yeah. And I've really seen a shift over the last sort of, I would say only three years. Because three years, people really seem to understand now that we've seen it in the UK with like, there's riders like Jordan Booker and yeah. um, James Dunn. James Dunn, I can remember being absolutely electrifying at Matley mm-hmm. Basin. Um, then suffered a concussion and we've never, like a kid who could, who was conquered Europe and could possibly go on and do very, very well. Yeah. Career cut short. No, no. Jordan Booker still has, you know, uh, trouble when I've spoken to him recently Mm. and he still Mm. has trouble with, with focus and in concentration. I mean, there's a lot more you know, it's been talked about more where before it was kind of uh that's, that's kind of a weakness where now yeah. it's actually, holy shit, this is serious. I mean, back then it was like, you only hit your head, you, you're good to go next heat. Perfect. But if you break your leg, you're not riding next heat, but the same with the concussion. If you got a concussion, you're not riding next heat, but back then you did. And then you hit it again and, and you get this uh, bleeding instead of a, a strain. Uh, and then it, it goes on and of being suddenly a very serious injury. And if you hit it again, when the bleeding is not really stopped bleeding and then you, you hit again and suddenly you, you almost, you're having a, a proper blame bleeding. And that's, that's, you don't want to have that because that's so wrong in so many ways. And down the line, you will have bigger problems than just not being able to ride the next seat. Um, so I do think there's like a lot of awareness and, and, and I came in with me uh, said like, Hey, we need to create awareness. We need to get the yellow dot. And, and we was explaining MIPS in 14 pages of, of basically a doctor magazine. <laughs> I said, okay, that's good. But how can we do this in one picture? How are you going to sell that to motocross guys? Yeah. I mean, and, and they were like, we can't do a one picture of this. Yes give me 10 proposal of a one pager. And, and it came down to four slides and suddenly it was one pager. And, and now it's four action points. What is MIPS? How does it work? Why should you have it? And now I'm kind of look for the yellow dot. Yeah. And, and then now I creating awareness with um, yellow dot together with the superstar or, or building awareness. If Tim Geiser has a yellow dot, you should have it. Exactly. I don't need to explain what it is. You should have a yellow dot. So the message that look for the yellow dot, that's a safe helmet. That's good enough to just, it's a safe helmet. It's a yellow dot. <laughs> yeah, the other thing which I've really liked about MIPS is the affordability because yeah. there's 99 pound helmets now, yeah. which are available with MIPS system. Yeah. So it's now accessible for, there's yeah. no excuse. No, it's like the seatbelt of the cars, a little bit like, hey, would you buy a car without the seatbelt today? No. Yeah. 
would you buy a helmet without a safety system? No, you should not. And MIPS is probably the most valid date one. It's third party validation. It's built by scientists, guys, it's 25 years age. There's so much knowledge and scientists, but it's also competitors out there that are doing great and have a good helmets. So which, which even, is also good, hey? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. is, is helmet safety is paramount. Yeah. So I'm not saying that every guy should buy a MIPS helmet, buy a helmet with a safety system. Exactly. That's what we should do. So one, buy a good helmet. Two, buy a helmet with a safety system. If it MIPS, I'm happy, of course. But buy a good helmet with a safety system in built in, and you will having a much better chance of uh, being healthy after a big crash. So. so one of the things we 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 kind of just skipped over, which is important. We mentioned Johan, which was 2010 yeah. when you yeah. uh, when you um, first got to know him, and he was a sponsor mm. of the team. However, mm. when we were um, working together, yeah. um, obviously uh, 24Max sponsored Johan's race team. Yeah, yeah they did. And, so, still do, um, so. and still do. So, uh, and and we kind of worked together in in working with, we're helping Johan with everything from yeah. uh, digital side, websites, marketing. Yeah. Uh, I can even remember um, doing Kevin Strybos's contract in, in Brylyakovs. Yeah. You know, and I had, like you, I had no idea. I'd never worked no. with athletes. I'd no. never worked with motocross riders. I've never done a contract. No. Um, and literally, uh, like, you know, 24 Max, Daniel was like, uh, here you go. You have to look after Johan. Uh, we want to do this, away you go. And I'm like, uh, okay, okay we'll mean? do who's it. The, who's <laughs> yeah. that guy? And, and and like I said, at that time also, I came in and, and you wanted, hey, you need to come back, Patrick. I need your help. Yeah. Okay, I, I can be in the background and doing like marketing sponsor and stuff like that. So, And that's uh, where we started to work together because you would be on one side of the room and I'd be on the other and you'd come over and go, guess what? I've yeah. got a tire supplier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I remember those conversations because they were so fun. But that was really like the the real beginning of um, the JWR uh, yeah. MXGP team. So you you kind of like, uh, I, at that point, I kind of like within six months, I kind of like uh, uh, went back to MX Vice, took MX Vice on, mm. was still, you know, was there at the end of a phone for Johan. But then you had to kind of... Uh, you pretty much ended up becoming team manager and yeah. running the show. Yeah, I think, yeah, since I had a lot of knowledge and experience and, and then he had a guy running the team for him down in Lommel, but it, that didn't work out. So I think he let him go and said, hey, you need to take over because I have no guy that know this better than you. So, and I already had a great relationship and a strong friendship with you on uh, Westermark and, and he's just an amazing guy that wants to put in so much of his own money to race team. And, and I said, I would have happily do this but we need to work as a team basically means that you need to let me run the team the way I want it. And uh, of course uh, he didn't do that, but we, we are good two guys working together and we, I would say we are complete opposite of each other. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm the computer guy. (laughs) And I was said he's the, he's the digger. So that uh, the the works hard and digging big holes in the ground and earning the money, and I have the uh, the contact, the details, the the, the networking, and then that comes back to like 
like how did I go? So I wouldn't say so far, but I made a living of working in motorcycle in this basic my whole life, nothing else. I sacrificed a lot of hours working for free, approaching people, helping people, never expecting anything in return. One day they will give something back to you. But if you start asking, you basically, yes, you can succeed faster maybe, but I was always like, hey, if I help this guy, he will help me one day when he has the time. And and I think that's how I kind of created a lot of networking and then and, and working hard with a lot of people and, and still not not demanding things back. It will come the, when they appreciate you and the hard work you've done for they for they they will give you back and that's that's coming back if you're a nice guy and work hard um, so basically two people out there work hard don't ask too much back it will come back if you do a good job so so, so this is a this is a cool thing to hear patrick i'm hoping that when people are at work or you know in their car listening to this podcast you, you know the things which i've got over from you is that mm. um you, you've always been smiley happy positive um you know and introduce yourself and i think that's a big thing because i can relate to this in mx vice because when i started mx vice and, and turned up to a gp no one knew what mx vice was no no, no, no i was no. just this this guy going around just randomly walking into people's tents and saying hey yeah. i'm mx vice and we're gonna be big and uh yeah. people were just looking at me going who is this idiot and, yeah. but, but i just kept going back and they probably didn't yeah. even want me there no, um, no, no, but no. I just kept drinking their coffee no. and hassling them. And mm. a couple of years later, everything started to really build. Yeah. yeah. But you, you have to put yourselves, you have to put yourself in those positions. Hey, no, exactly. And that's a, all, I mean, I, I can, I, today I have a really strong, good relationship, for example, with Lars Lindstrom, from the HRC manager for Honda USA. And he's kind of a Swedish guy. And, and, and the way, same way I approached him, like, Hey Lars, you've come to Sweden. I have a bike for you. He didn't know me back then. When he showed up in Sweden, there was a Honda standing outside of his brother's house. He rode it for a week. Like, this Patrick guy is, is pretty nice. So next <laughs> next time, we're like, hey, next time you're coming over, you would live at my house. And suddenly we have a relationship. That's so cool. like, so that's like how we grow. And, and yeah, I, I would say probably was my friend Jim Holly who introduced me to Lars the first time. Uh, so that's how I actually get to know Lars was more through Jim Holly yeah. than actually than, than the Swedish bond I had. He know me because I was Swedish and I know him, but I basically just straight up reached out to him. Hey, if you ever come to Sweden, I have bikes for you. And of course he wants to ride. And that's how we started our relationship. And suddenly we are good mates today. So that's very cool. And so obviously approaching people in, in yeah. being open, positive in, uh, obviously you've got 25 years now of yeah. building relationships, networking, what other, you know, for people who are looking to come into, uh, you know, everybody dreams about, you know, actually being involved in motocross, but actually getting paid as well. But, wow. you know, I, I kind of speak to a lot of people in, it doesn't just happen. Hey, you've got to put yourself out there. You might have to start off with, uh, maybe helping people out, uh, for free, you know, the whole yeah. money thing comes a little bit later. Yeah. Um, what would you, what, what would your advice be for, for anybody who's looking to come into a sales position within the industry or, um, or looking to work with a team, obviously you think of it from a team angle. I'm, I'm that, that's a really good one. And I think in the early stages, you have to be willing to yes, work for free 
and also I even spend my own money driving to the races uh, and not even asking for money. Yes, I'm I'm here. So one day it will come back and 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 it did, but. I'm don't be afraid to approach people and introduce yourself and sending uh, a nice text. And if they don't reply, reply the same day, don't don't send another one. And hey, you're rude. You didn't respond to, because it, I mean, if, if you are working it a couple of three, four days can goes goes on. And um, that is like I understand that respect people and respect the time. <laughs> if you respect the time, they will find time for you. But if you don't respect their time, they will be annoyed and don't reply. So I was trying to find, okay, he looks busy. You shouldn't talk to him. Look at his face. Look at his, how he behaving. So I think I'm becoming a good learner of people, how they react and how they look. Um, so that's been, uh, I would say, was now is a good time pr- to approach a guy. Don't approach him when he's middle of changing a wheel, for example. Hey. You go and talk, like you just look up to him, like you're a fucking idiot. Sorry for the language. Yeah. No, 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 uh, that's fine. We're allowed to use excessive language when needed <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would say that, and 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 also my thing was, I want to give back. If somebody helps helps me, I want to give back, and I, I think I can share a cool story um, with Roger Harvey. Actually, <laughs> he helped me in so many ways get into this Honda world and, and, and so many people I get to know because of him, because I did bug him and, and, and now I consider him a good friend and we, we talk quite a lot, but I also, I did find his Husqvarna 125 81 bike that he was actually riding GPs back in the day. I find, uh, 81 Husqvarna here in Sweden. So I, I, I bought it for a sheep prize from that guy, took it to lock it and gave it as a present to Roger Harvey. And he was like, what do you have in back of your van? I have a 81 Husqvarna, the one, a bike that you rode and, and you should restore this bike. That he was cool. like, wow, that's kind of good. And I, that for years of bugging him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I always try to give something back. If, if then they have a good feeling, this guy is not just taking, he's giving. Yeah. If you can give back, not just take, then you have a lot to win in, in, in for your future reference, talking to bigger, bigger and better things. And also, if you're finding a good guy as a mentor, you can call him, I would say Jamie Buckingham, is a, is one of my old mechanics, but I became kind of a mentor from him, for him. And I will say the work that he has today, I'm feeling a little bit responsible because I kind of coached him as a, hey, you should think like this, do like this, and then you will find good doors that will open. He finds that door by himself, but I do think that if you're finding good people, you can learn from them. And I, I, and I think I would be... Um, that guy for Jamie, um, he had, of course, a lot of good people in his corner, but I think I helped him coach him. Hey, you should do like this and think, and, and hopefully if you ask him, he will say the same. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I speak to Jamie all the time. He, yeah. you know, he's got a lot of time for, um, yourself and Johan. He considers yeah. you guys as family. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. um, y- yeah. you know, and I think, I think that's. I think it would be a great mm. idea if if mm. we could get um, you and Jamie on the same podcast for, sure, um, for, sure. for a show, and we can kind of talk about you know some of the challenges 
because a lot of people get to see the 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 what would we say the show at an MXGP, but they don't get to see the real show. I mean, Majoria this weekend, Sunday, eight o'clock, uh, 10 centimeters of mud, no socks in the shoes because it was so wet, taking down the tent. That's nothing fancy. It's just grinding. And, yeah. and, and people don't see that. And then Jamie did that for a couple of years for me. And, and I appreciate that he did it. And then, then he went on to different things. And, but it's, it's a lot of hard work behind it. And, um, that you need to accept and then then after a couple of years you need to to hey this is, is this what i want to do or should i go another way what is the way i want to go look at the options and and if there's an option grab it but the only thing you regret is not grabbing that thing so and nobody would thank you if you didn't do it so <laughs> but yeah one of one of the th- i spoke to jeff emick this week mm-hmm. and we were talking about um just motocross in hull mm-hmm. and uh Something that resonated really well with me is is is, is kind of how he put it. Like motocross has a way of of you know if you ride motocross, that 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 feeling you get when you ride a bike is so hard to to quantify or to explain to somebody. But the pull of motocross, I mean, MX Vice came out because uh, MX. It, I, I consider motocross a vice. I mean. Yeah. People spend more money as advice on motocross than they do on drugs and gambling and God as what else, <laughs> you know. And 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 yeah. the, the addicted to motocross was because yeah. I used to watch yeah. my cousin just spend, you know, mm. second mortgages, sell yeah. cars just to get mm. his kid just on the line. And yeah, and no, it's there's true. something about motocross, hey Patrick, that absolutely it's yeah. such a pull. And and Jeff was saying that um, until you. Until you've put your leg over a bike and, and you get that feeling, there's yeah. nothing which comes close. There's no other sport. No. There's no other. There's n- there's nothing which comes close to motocross. I, I would say it's a lifestyle and and and, and the passion. And so this guy goes hand in hand. It's a passion. It's a lifestyle. You you don't know anything else. You live your life there, and that's actually kind kind of funny. Jeff Emig, he has actually been in Sweden being a trainer for me. So, so that's kind of that's I, another one. I have done, I have done all here. He and Jeff Stanton and Ricky Carmichael and Jeff was here one time. So, uh, so, so that's been, yeah, uh, yeah. It's been 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 uh, an amazing journey, and, and it's not it's not finished yet. But, no, no. Um, I think uh, so. <laughs> I think in in some ways I, I kind of feel like we're just getting started because yeah. I, I find this an exciting time because mm. um, for me when I came into into this everybody was so backwards with digital and now everybody seems to have caught up but we're going you know i see things from other sports and and i see where they're going and i kind of know where motocross is going to be going you look at ufc you look at formula one there's so much more scope to to what we can do with motocross um it's 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 very true that you say where's where do you see um what's the jwr plan going forward i mean uh i'm guessing um, you're in a really good place. I mean, Usland's had a very good year. Yeah, you've done exactly what you said. I mean, you st- you said to me at the start of the year, uh, we're going to be a top ten. We're going to have a rider in the top ten of the World Championship, and you've kind of ticked that box this year. Yeah. So, so where did JWR go now? I mean, is there offers on the table from uh, you know from other manufacturers, from yeah. other sponsors? Can you uh, elaborate a little bit? Yeah, no, that, exactly what you're saying. Our goal for this year is to do a full GP season, overseas and everything. We invest a lot of in infrastructure of the team to to 
look good and also being able to listen to the riders and, and make them perform. So we, we did find a Swedish rider. We did find a guy that finished the race. We could take him to this level. Uh, so we're super proud of that. And we actually did a top nine here and, and we finished. Uh, so that's good. And he has helped us a lot to being uh, looked at. So today we had three offers on the table. So we're coming from nobody except Honda Sweden wanted to help us too. Yes, we are talking to three different brands and and um, that's a, a unique situation and, and I hope more teams have this in the paddock, but I don't know how many teams actually talking to three different brands and, and uh, at the same time uh, and it, I don't want to brag at all, but we're super proud of what we have done and, and it could be uh, a time for change uh, I bleed red. Uh, I want to be a Honda team, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, you never know what, what's the business opportunity is there out there, but we still have not finalized what, what should we do. I mean, what tires should we use? What, what what helmet should we use? So a lot of things still on the table. The only thing I know with a helmet is going to be MIPS helmet <laughs> <laughs> because I know the f- facts from that. But yeah. I, I, otherwise... Uh, I think also what we bring, what I did understand earlier, that we need to have a good media presence. So I hired Niklas Hampenen as a media manager, and we create a lot of media, a lot of visibility and awareness, but we also create a package of photos and, and, and a report, of course, and also videos. And it's already made up with logos from the sponsorships. So every Monday, we not just provide a race report, we provide photos, with unique features just with their products. So they can basically take it and post it. Don't even have to touch it. So I said, if we're not winning on the track, we need to win the media game. And I think that has been one of the unique things to sponsor GWR. You got a full package of the the media. And and I will say you're part of that story because that's you, you in the early stages you showed me you should do this i mean your first sponsor presentation with with back when we were the jamaha team you showed that to me like oh this is how i should do it okay i maybe i can do it so and, and then you went back and had a lot, lot of lot on your mind and i find that this guy from subaru rally team and then <laughs> and uh i may i have together with him been able to find a different angle to the sponsorship so working with with GWR racing is not just a racing team we we are hopefully giving back more than other teams are and and I'm, I'm not saying that any other team is bad I'm just saying the way we're doing it is easy and good for the sponsors and we have sponsors say hey you are by far the best of giving back of of photos videos and an instruction movies so whatever in some cases we even it feels like we're an extra marketing department for some of the smaller brands that sponsor us and and that's kind of unique because it's hard for them to, to create all the content themselves and and basically honda sweden we we run the sweden swedish instagram account for example so that's very because cool. So, so we, we find it a different angle in, in the marketing uh, niche. So it's Which not just super yeah. important. Hey, because it is kind of looking at things differently. Um, yeah. I know when, you know, I, I can kind of relate to that going back to, to the early 2010, 2011, no one was doing any Twitter updates. I no. was stood in the middle of a, you know, on Cadders Hill in Norwich, um, freezing my ass off with the iPad <laughs> 
updating results with people coming up to me going, what are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm, I'm updating. It's going like results are going live on, on the internet. Oh, that never work. If you can find one of your earlier followers, you would find me. I did find you earlier because I was that interested of finding Holy results. Shit, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really early on, on being a Twitter with you. I used to get so frustrated because sometimes you'd have to wait a week to get any results. Yeah. So it was like, what the hell? This is like, it's 2010. Surely we should be able to, 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 to get results. I even called one eight hundred collect back in the day to USA. Got a shit bill because I called the US number to get the results. <laughs> and and even in ninety, I mean ninety four, I was really on the internet searching for uh, for for the results and the websites. And this is uh, pretty early, and I was already shooting emails to people. So I was really keen on early on to to get fax data. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, cool. <laughs> so, that's so great. JWR sounds really exciting. The, 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 the sort of next few years, the, the pathway, and obviously, yeah. um, you, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard. To, like, obviously, you want to get, yeah. you want to go forward. You want to get, you want to get bigger. Yeah. You want to get more sponsors in and stuff like that. And you're doing everything in your power, yeah, to make that happen. But I guess this has got to be quite an interesting year for you because. Where the industry is kind of, I would say, stagnated a bit. People are holding off because they don't know what budgets they got. You know, uh, companies got lots of inventory in, in, in warehouses. Uh, cash is tied up. Um, they're not committing to riders in 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 big budgets and stuff like that. So, I I think this year there's going to be a lot of riders without oh, yeah. um, without rides. I think I I don't know what the year was. Was it was. Was it 18, 19, maybe 18? Max Anstey was, yeah. went from doing really, really well in GPs to, to not having a ride. No. Um, uh, I think uh, there's going to be a few people this year, Patrick. Um, uh, that's uh, going to yeah. open up some great opportunities for you guys. Absolutely. I would say the riders that have been calling me this week is three at least that are top 12 guys and then just below. Uh, even some factory riders today that we don't have factory riders next year. So I also think the way they look at us is, is also a big difference compared to before. Hey, this team is actually doing all overseas. They show up every race, the bikes don't break, and they have a positive attitude and the bike looks good. Yeah. So we are in a good, good position. Riders want to ride for us, and, and we are looking what brand we will use uh, for next year, but also whatever we choose for next year, is, it's a step in, in the next direction and, and how we would look as a team, of course, and what, what we want to do and how many years do we want to invest before we get something back, the return on investment. I mean, Johan is an amazing guy and I love spending his money, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, I guess his account manager calls, hey, this Patrick guy is spending a lot of money. You a lot of money. Him. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and like, you want to always tell me, like, on one side of my shoulder, I have the devil said, no, no, no. And the other side is Patrick. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this. It's a good idea. Are you sure yeah. you want to spend like 100,000K here? It's an awesome idea. We're going to have yeah. so much fun. So It's fun. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? You can't take it with you, Johan. No, 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 Mende. Look at, look at, and, and it's hit us. In we was walking and and between the the track lines in Lommel, and at the same time we look at the shell like I was laughing. We have a 
good life right now. And when I say good life, we are motocross nerd walking on a Jeep track with some stylish team gear. And we were like, hey, there's the track. There's that guy. There's, I mean, I, I, and nothing comes for free. A lot of hard work and, and we're not fortunate, but we did appreciate the moment there. Like at the same time, hey, we're enjoying what we're doing right now. And um, I think that that is a cool thing to realize that, wow, we are here and we're doing stuff that people are dreaming of and wants to do. And then we, we're living this life and and we did right there. We did enjoy it. So, so that yeah. was pretty cool, cool thing uh, that we realized at the same time, actually. So I had, I had a recent realism, um, you, you know, the, the last sort of, five years i'm sure you can relate to this it's just been a complete blur yeah and uh to put it into perspective 2010 i was in denver um nations yeah, yeah. and uh mx vice wasn't even a thing no i, I kind of it inspired me because mm-hmm. um 2010 uh does nations crockard had to ride the b final uh they won the b final and then he had to go and ride all day on the Sunday uh, as well with the races. And uh, he was his, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And this is kind of what inspired me with, with, with MX Vice was mm-hmm. that all the media was just like, you know, like uh, team USA and, you know, the top guys. And there was Gordon Crocker just sat in like a, a like a pop-up um, yeah. with, with team Ireland. And mm-hmm. the guy had nothing left. He was yeah. just, he couldn't hardly speak. And I kind yeah. of went over to him. No one was around him. And I'm just like, you know, hey, hey, Gordon, that was that was phenomenal. I'm just a fan. That was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was like, you know, kind of like cheers. And I just thought, why is no one telling a story? Yeah. And no, and true. that kind of inspired me. And, and what oh, made cool. it even cooler was the next day I was walking around um, uh, Denver Moor with my yeah. god, my god, uh, godson and my wife. Yeah. And uh, Gordon Crocker's there, yeah. <laughs> and he nice. sat down having a coffee. And yeah. uh, I seen him, and he seen me, and he and he he must have remembered me from the day before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. "Can I? Is it cool if we talk?" Yeah. And because uh, you know, it's like you know, it's like, yeah. these are these are pro guys. You don't want to infringe mm. on their on their no 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 on their time just because they're brilliant friendly. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course." And I kind of sat down and we talked for like twenty minutes, and it was mm. it was fucking cool. And I just wanted to tell everybody. Yeah, tell everybody about this warrior. No, yeah, yeah. I mean he's well, been fighting a lot of wars. That guy, so it's uh, yeah. But it was like nice to tell a story. So yeah, and that kind of inspired me with MX Vice, and then I, and I just think about like you know 2007 Red Butt, mm. just just there with Union Jack supporting Team Great Britain, in and and I had a realism at uh, Farley when I'm sat down mm. sharing a beer with Pingree Reed yeah. and Emic, yeah. um, sat round on deck chairs. Yeah, just chat until like twelve at night, and it's just like I have to pinch myself because it's like that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, and I'm guessing that must happen to you as well. I was at his whiskey trotter show last year at Ping actually in in the saloon, so like that was like like oh I I kind of I felt like I made it (laughs) being on that show, but that was good fun. And 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 to be honest, uh, this nation in Denver, I was there with my dad and my son. This is 2010, so my son was uh, he was 10 years old only, and uh, I did bring my dad over, and uh, it was good fun. We had this complete Swedish team on Honda. 
And and oh. through my connections, of course, uh, we actually on a 250 Freddie Noren back then. Okay. We had Trey Canard's factory engine in his bike. In Freddie Noren's bike. Yeah, and 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 Lars kind of gave it to us, <laughs> and then it's Saturday he came back. Hey, I need the engine back. They don't like his engine. <laughs> so I need that one. So we had to pull it out. Now, oh, shit. But then he came with the other engine that Trey didn't like. Still a factory engine. So we got the factory. And we was basically pulling the KTM 350 uphill on a Honda 2 ever. Oh, that's Fred and Ryan. Honda 250. That was slow back then. But they didn't know that we have Trey Canals engine in that bike. So, Who were the other Swedish riders on the team that year? Uh, I had uh, Andreas Hultman. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Alex Eriksson what was the uh, guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fredrik, uh, Andreas Hultman was an amazing young kid. I founded him really early on, on a Suzuki. Actually, he dropped his pants riding with his ass out. So I was like, hey, we need to sponsor this guy. He don't have anything. And he was basically coming from nowhere and, and being on a program. And, and he won the Swedish championship first year as a pro. And then we straight after that winter, we sent him to America and he qualified third at Glen Helen. After Holy like shit. Tim Ferry and like, I don't know, third. And then in, in the heat, he crashed on a double and collapsed both his lungs and the heart stopped. So they got him wow. going, but he also made a huge scar in his eye. So he never really had full access to his good eyesight again. So he, from being like, wow, we need, we can't keep this guy in Sweden. We need to send him. First race, qualified third. It looks amazing. He won a lot of REM. Fred Norian was lapped by him basically. Uh, so, wow. so Freddie was like, if Hultman would have made it, he would be a guy that could maybe get a good living of it. But he he did win a couple of Swedish championship for for my Honda team for years after that. But he he couldn't really go. Was it the same rider again? No, he he wasn't. Uh, as we said, it wasn't Hultman anymore. It was just Andreas. Uh, but he was amazing coming from nowhere, winning everything. And we won the 250 Sweden. We put on a 450, won it. And then we sent him and then he crashed it right out. Luckily today, he's, he's healthy and have a good family and everything. But um, he was on that team and, and he was, we did, I think we was like 10 or something. We did good. So uh, one, one of the things which uh, you kind of enlightened me on mm-hmm. um, was the, the fact of what the Swedish Federation and uh, the resources was available because let, let's, if you have to put it in perspective, Sweden is a country in motorcycle sales and riders mm-hmm. is really small compared to most of its European oh, yeah. counterparts. So you guys have, I kind of feel like you've always been kind of like punching quite high yeah, um, yeah. With, with the resources you've got. But one of the things which you told me about, which blew my mind, was the fact mm. that you have an academy there with six riders, which they yeah. basically school. And and, yeah. and I, I think of the UK at the moment, and we can't even afford a trainer. But yeah. you guys have got your own school where you put them into, they learn everything about a bike, nutrition, mm. and you take six of the best athletes every, yeah, you know, every, every, every year. year. To, yeah. to, to train them. I mean, can you elaborate a little bit more? If I hit yeah. now on the head or is there more to that? No, no, it's a good, a good thing because that's an amazing program. And it's coming from the Olympic uh, ISOK. The Swedish like, hey, every sport should have uh, a school 
like government funded. So every if you if you're doing like downhill ski, cross country, whatever you're doing, there you should have money from the government to try to be good at your sport. And of course, the Swedish Federation, hey, we need to start a proper motocross club because the government will pay us. So if we so they started set up. A program for years and 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 i would say every riders have been semi successful from sweden has gone to that school but the program is so great because they select six riders every day and and it goes you have to go to regular school but of course you ride motocross in the morning every more eight o'clock more you do two motors go to school and 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 you eat proper food then you go to the gym and then you basically go back riding one or two more motors and then you go to the gym again and they feed you a dinner and that's what you do and then you're building over winter winter training so they got two full-time trainers and teachers and then they had a, a, a tibro an old gp track with a jewish workshop and a mechanic helping so every rider had opportunity okay we live eat and die motocross if we do this it's up to you if you're going to fail or not, basically. Yeah. But that, that program has Freddy Nora and Gola. Uh, I mean, Östlund. Everybody has gone. Ken Bengtsson. Um, I mean, who I'm missing. Basically, uh, even back to Anders Eriksson, the seven-time Enduro World Champion. Every guy that have done something is, in Sweden has been groomed there. And you go in there from, you're like 16, and just after the first winter, you basically had guys you didn't know who they were, but they was basically winning heats the year after because proper a proper winter training of you were thinking you were training hard, but those guys, old motocrossers, and today Espen Blix is the Norwegian Federation trainer. Uh, they would put you to the grind, and and Noren and Kalle Aspengren, they all did national top tens. And and uh, Gola, this Hultman guy, and uh, so the line of, of of guys. Of course, we have not won we have not won a world championship race, but there has also been a lot of good things coming out of that school. And I think history-wise, Sweden. I think Sweden, maybe UK, you are more, but I think we're still on the high level of actually world championship titles yeah. if you look at the list i think we're still top three uh, of uh, having x amount of world champions of sweden because the heritage from Husqvarna and, and then kind of almost the, how the sport started back in in the 60s uh, so that's a genius program and if you signed up and you did the work you gone from mid to being top guy and then you could easily succeed uh, we were preparing them for next step in life being a gp rider yeah. i didn't do this i did the honda stuff i prepared the honda riders for the next step but this is the federation wise and it's genius and it was funded by the government and still i mean even uk you got uh, olympic money for for everything uh, we, you know, we can organize a piss up in a brewery over here. At the yeah. moment. So, uh. <laughs> but when every country is signed to the Olympics, like ASOK, I think it's, a, it's the federation. If you're in that program, you're allowed to have Olympic money to to run a successful program. So you need to have a guy at at the UK federation that knows this shit. Yeah. Apply for the money, and they will throw millions at you if you know how to apply it. I mean, I even took the we took the Honda Academy to the elite uh, school in, in London one time. 
you have an elite school with pro at least tennis and everything. We even had a Honda team. Uh, they, they won 50 guys there one year. Jesus, we can't even get any English people there. Yeah, and I took 10 guys paid by UK government <laughs> because Amazing. we applied for the rider for, for the money. Hey, but, I've got a new job for you. It's come to the UK. Sorry, yes, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good idea, but no. no. So, 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 is, is the Swedish program still going, Patrick? They they lost the school a couple of years ago, but now it was shut shut down for two years. But now they have a new school, a new track, so it's back on track again. But I, I guess they're going to take a couple of years because before you see the good guys coming out, you sure. you have to tr- trial and error a little bit. You 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 will not succeed the first couple of years. And yeah, um, but I, I find that also how they grow up. You send them away when they are basically fifteen, and they come back as a ninety-year-old living their own apartment. And and I, I mean, my son is a racer. He went to that school. Okay, and so Max uh, went to the school as well. Yeah, yeah. Because now he's riding a uh, world enduro. Yeah, he's riding a world enduro junior, and he's in sixth, or fifth position right now. Before he leaves to Portugal tomorrow, actually. So he he rides uh, for the Honda Red Motor team, uh, supported by GWR. Yeah, yeah. So Honda Red Motor takes care of him, and and GWR provides the bikes for him. So, and he went to that school. I would say he went there as a shabby fifteen-year-old kid, come out as a basically a. a a super well-fit guy like oh what's happened here over winter time and and i'm no longer from... gonna win wrestling matches <laughs> oh no he's so big that guy and then so he came from qualified good to suddenly almost winning a couple of swedish championships right away in in, in the unit classes and then uh, then then so i think he he matured like crazy and that he took the opportunity he never missed one lesson. He was never late. And I had, of course, a little bit of, hey, if we're doing this, we're doing properly. You, you're not sleeping. No. We're not going. Even if you're hurt, you go into the gym that morning. If they go right, you go to the gym. And if you're not, the, the teacher will call me and I will call you when you're going to be home the next day. So choose with why, where you want to go. And, yeah, yeah. and he has a good life in the way that all the things that he's been able to experience through the uh, the good fun and, and not great relationship they have, but he also have been stepped up his own game and training and, and took the opportunities. He basically been living in Italy for the last two years and just grinding, grinding, being a decent motocrosser to actually a top five guy in, 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 in the dual world right now. And I see a lot of similarities because he talks to everybody. Uh, and, uh, okay. and he's been socialized by me at such a young go there fix that and and ah, i don't i don't i don't that i want to do it i'm only 11 it's only justin barcia go cycling with him what's the problem <laughs> so <laughs> stuff like that oh okay so so yeah. i think he's been uh, uh, groomed uh, in, in a good way um, yeah you've pushed him you've kind of took him out of his comfort zone yeah, pushed, pushed them, but being also gentle about it. Uh, but back to the school, amazing program. If, if more countries would that, they would have a, a wider group of good riders. Yes, we have Sweden has not won, not won the world championship yet, but we also having a really shit country because it's fucking snowing cold here eight months. <laughs> so you have to dig out I, your bike. Uh, so we not have the like. It's a long way to to go training. Sometimes uh, that's from, a bad part of it. So. <laughs> from my time in Sweden, 
um it, yeah i can kind of there was some there was some very cold days mm. and there were some days where there wasn't a lot of light um it was just very dark <laughs> yeah yeah daylight was that I, I i always joke we have four days of summer in july if you miss that <laughs> you're gonna be suicidal in the, in september <laughs> hey so i found out that you're possibly riding uh gothenburg yeah so um for people who do not know what this is could yeah. you just explain because i've never been so fucking cold in all my life yeah it's i mean it's the fourth it's the fourth year yes 40 years of running this race it's on a massive island called gotland between sweden and poland and it's so sorry gotland gotland yeah, 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 gotland yeah. grand national yeah gotland national so it's it's a started as an army race back in the day and it's grown to the world biggest race it's four thousand riders the three hours race and it's so ridiculous cold because it's so windy the wind come from siberia and as rains come from poland and it hits in the middle of that island you're gonna have a race and it's so cool <laughs> yeah. and, and it's massive and it's a, an amateur class of three and a half thousand riders then it's 500 pros in the afternoon and and this race is you basically this island is a summer holiday island for four weeks it's hundred thousand people there then it's ten thousand but suddenly it's forty thousand more people going there drinking beers and watching those uh, four thousand riders riding in the shit and, and mudding and, and 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 every every manufacturer is sending go i mean freeman is coming and and uh, i mean your strang has wanted sean Rene has won it. It's it's always good riders coming. Stefan Evers has been there, but of course the KTM exploded. So, but it's, so every good rider has at least been trying to win this race because in the industry it's massive, but people have not maybe always heard about it. But it's it's a, it's, it's it's a Western Beach, but it's four times bigger. Oh well, I would say it makes Western Beach race look like a I don't know like a speedway. Yeah, yeah, a little it's, bit like that. Uh, uh, from my point of view, A, I've never been so cold. I took thermals and Johan had to give me extra thermals because <laughs> yeah. I was that cold. At one point, it was rain, sleet, the yeah. wind. I swear the the rain was freezing as it was hitting my face. Um, the wind chill was like minus fucking 20. That must have been 2018, the coldest yeah. ever. So, Oh, it was horrific. and And also everything was just a, a mud bath like yeah. but it was like two foot mud bath there was just bikes standing up just being left. Uh, i think i i i did i won it two times that race you've won got twice times. yeah t- two times and, and i won it late uh it was i know i was 2016 when i won it last time but i was second or third that year when it was that muddy so, so really I, in I, 18 you i didn't know you were racing in 18 yeah that one is my specialty so and uh, we talked about jamie working on before he's yeah. gonna do it this year uh he did he did say to me that's where my little my little whisperer come from that you guys are going to be racing yeah so i basically send him a, a free code hey i entered you so there's no reason i'm there you have a bike so let's go like oh <laughs> what's happening so i i i today i'm over 50 so i can ride the friday race in a good track oh. then we wash the bike and he can ride the bike day after <laughs> oh, i like that i like that that's good, so that's yeah, but, um, good it's uh if you ever get a chance to uh to go to Gotland grand national you need to just it's like Erzberg. you have to just go yeah. once just to um 
just because I think it's one of those bucket list things where you probably never heard of it, but when you actually try and watch it, it's it's phenomenal. It, it's a really good comparison, like Esper a bit, like because everybody goes there on a bike, everybody is having fun. It's, it's fifteen thousand people there on bikes, and then you you watching your buddy ride, and and he's is so tired of the that he wants never ride a bike again. And, and one one hour later, two beers down. This is so good. Let's do it next year. So. <laughs> And the the industry is there. It's a great price, uh, bank cat, and and, uh, some cool features for sure. So, So what's next for you, Uh, Matley Basin? Yep. Uh, I'm saying Jap is not 100% sure yet. If I do Matley, I, I, I suppose to fly out on Saturday, but I do want to live, be home one weekend because I do. Then do the Jeep in Portugal with my son. Then I do this nation, Swedish Federation has hired us. Then we go back. My son goes uh, American Nationals, the GNCC in Ironman. Okay. And then he goes back. Then it's Gotland or National. And then he go six days Argentina. And then we have an even tougher race called November course. I'm when you actually ride 10 hours at night. So he go, he has a pretty busy October. So I want to support him a little bit. So, um, so that's why I'm maybe not going to Matley, but uh, I should go. I will probably end up going. Uh, But so, and, and, and we need to finalize what bike we're going to ride on the team next year. (laughs) Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting one because I think, uh, I think you guys are going to be playing quite a big part in, um, in whatever happens next year. So I'm, I'm interested to, to kind of follow the story and uh, see which uh, decision you guys make. Yeah, we're coming. Yeah, we are kind of a part of the puzzle right now. If we do this, this happens. If we don't do this, something else is happening. And then it's a good situation to be in, but also a lot of demands and a lot of work. And we are ready for that. So, Oscar Patrick, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You know, we spent a lot of time over yeah. over the you know last five or six years uh, talking. So um, it's quite nice to actually do this on a podcast. Yeah, very nice. And very uh, nice. do it in, in a professional uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> environment. And and I guess I have missed so many things also that I we could talk about more. So we, I mean, an episode two is is around the corner, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So but, we need to get you and Jamie. I mean, if we yeah. can never get Johan on a on a podcast, I mean, that's just going to be pure gold. Oh, I mean, that's basically, I mean, uh, we may have to put like explicit language for the whole entire three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, he's he's a good character and and one of the best guys out there and a good friend of mine. And, and, but he's a grumpy ass. Uh, He's funny. He's funny. But he's so good. So, yeah. Um, always a pleasure buddy Um, that's it from uh, episode 3 of uh, the Inside Moto Show big thank you to Patrick Erlinson Uh, huge thanks to Even Strokes a UK based online motocross shop that offers motocross parts and gear driven by making motocross more affordable which is really important at the moment because every penny counts when you're looking at your motocross budget Uh, grab 10% off use the code MXVICE at checkout and uh, just that little extra bit will will help you go a little, making racing go a little bit further. So big thanks to Even Strokes, evenstrokes.com. Uh, big thanks to Patrick Erlinson from MIPS and JWR. Uh, really do appreciate your time, Patrick, and um, hopefully catch up with you soon. Good luck to your son, Max, with uh, his Enduro endeavors. And um, I think myself and the MX Vice community are going to be very interested in what JWR are going to be doing next. 
Thank you so much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be on the show and, and been able to, to do this, uh, not just talking the bits. So thank uh, you for having me on. Absolutely. And we will do it again. Take care, buddy. Take care. See you. <laughs>